0: Welcome to From Nothing to Profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya, where each week they talk to photographers about what is working in their business now so you can
1: swipe those ideas and grow your business faster.
0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to From Nothing to Profit. So today's going to be a little bit different because Kaya and I have gotten some feedback and some of you listeners wanted to hear a little bit more from us. So Kaya and I came up with a theme today. Uh, which we're calling the, the money talk because there's been a lot of questions sent to us about this. So we'll kind of go back and forth on these questions. But real quick, let me tell you guys the questions that people have been asking. So I'll just run through them real quick. So what do you guys decide to sell or how do you guys decide to sell certain things? Um, how do you price items and how do you deal with markup? Um, now that you've made money, how do you know what to spend it on? Which led into questions like, What are some really smart things to to buy or use your money on, and then what are some dumb or irresponsible things to buy? What do you buy a lot of and shouldn't and should not buy? So that's like what are what are our guilty pleasures that we're like really bad about buying? And then how do you do your bookkeeping? Because in some previous episodes we talked about bookkeeping. Um, So how do you do bookkeeping? And then there was a lot of questions around some more questions around profit first and what that's done for our business, and then also some. Dave Ramsey questions. So, Kaya, I'm excited for this one. This should be definitely a good one.
1: Yes, yes. I'm so excited to be here. And I think this is a uh, you know a question that works in great with the you know the whole point of uh, from nothing to profit is you know what do you do with that profit and how do you create it? So I'm excited to be answering these questions today. I think it's going to be great,
0: yeah, and I think it's interesting that people wanted to hear a little bit more from us because, you know we kind of designed it as this interview thing. But as we've been doing it for a while now, we realize like, well, yeah, I guess we do have a lot to offer as well, and people want to hear from us. So we'll sprinkle we'll sprinkle these type of episodes in here, especially around the new year here um we'll definitely get some in to talk about what we do around the new year and stuff as well. All right, so let me start with the first question, Kaya. So, okay. how do you go about deciding what to sell um, in terms of products and your business like, you know, when you when you go to a trade show, how do you decide what to add, not to add, what do you decide, you know, all those different questions?
1: Well, this is a great question because I think uh you know, some of the things are obvious. You know, we sell we sell portraits, and so the first thing that people used to ask about is how much are your eight by tens. And now the next the question that they ask are how do I get the digital files, or do you include them in your session? And so I think uh, every year I, I want to do a couple of things. One, I want to create actual session experiences that uh, are new and different. And so sometimes that may include like going someplace specific or, you know, making a really elaborate set for a children's session or, you know, doing something like, you know, adding hair and makeup for families or for seniors. So I think it all for me starts with the experience and then um, on the product side of it, then, uh, I, there are so many different options that I I like to be you know experiment with it, but I also like to do things, especially for my business, that give my clients different things to put on their walls. And so you know, obviously with digitals, you can you know op- offer like different um, different. Treatments to the images, you know, you can do like a vintage look or hand color or that type of thing, which we have done in the past. Uh, Although I don't think that's really in vogue right now. But then for me, I'm always thinking like, how can we create, you know, new and creative ways to present the images on on my client's walls as art? And so that's one of the main things that I look for, you know, is um, like frames that no one else has or, you know, ways to frame the images that's new and different from what I'm doing for my clients. And so one of the things that uh, people are really liking is um, like acrylic wall portraits. So not necessarily the metals, but like um, images with acrylic on them. Uh, and so they are more um, like clear glass and a little bit more contemporary. So that's the the direction we're going is a lot of contemporary or super ornate
0: that's that's really good. i've seen I've seen a lot of those acrylics and we haven't added them yet. Um we saw them uh, at one of the big trade shows maybe like two or three years ago, and they were just coming in. And I was like, well, that's something to keep an eye on, but I haven't circled back to it. so maybe that's something that we'll try this year as well. Yeah. so. Well, let right. me ask
1: you, Matt. So well, so a couple more things. One of the things I like to do is like with specific sessions, if I do like a themed portrait session for children, a lot of times I try to create a product that goes along with it. So, you know, I've done like a mud pie session and then done a frame with it that had like handprints in mud on the frame that then we lacquered. That's really cool. Yeah. So creating products that actually go with themes or, you know, get people excited. So what, how, let me ask you, Matt, what do you decide to sell? Like, how do you determine what products you guys do?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, we do something very similar and I kind of think about it this way. Like we kind of pick a focus for, for a year maybe, and we really dive into something and really test a bunch of things out. So I think we're constantly testing and I don't just test it for, you know, like A quarter, like we're testing it for a year. So two things that we're testing right now that I, and kind of had two different outcomes. One of them is, uh, standouts, which is basically just a wall art, uh, style where it's like printed on like foam core and it's like maybe an inch or two inches thick. And then they finish the edge either in black or black and white or stainless steel, um, I think some of the companies have like a light wood and a dark wood that they finish them, but it's just, you know, so like the picture sticks out from the wall, but the edge is, um, finished and something that's not a picture.
1: Uh huh. Yeah.
0: And so we tested those and those really didn't sell in our studio. We, we, we moved really? them around our studios a couple different places, Uh huh. but they just didn't sell as well as like canvases and metals and image blocks and stuff like that. So that's something we've, we tested and they're probably on the way out this year. They'll probably be taken off our walls cause they just didn't sell. Uh-huh. I'm actually glad they didn't sell because they're one of the more expensive, uh, products to buy. And so the, you know, because we sell all of our wall art kind of at the same price, it doesn't matter what finish you pick. Yeah. Um, there are all of our 16 by twenties are all the same price. So that one had the the least amount of margin in it. So I'm yeah. kind of glad that went away.
1: It's really way up on that one.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of glad that one didn't work out as well. But, um, the, one of the things that we tested that worked really well is image boxes. And so we did a lot in the last year around that Uh basically some kind of box that holds like 20 matted prints and um, those sold really well. We brought in a ton of versions of them to see what sells and we've already removed a couple that, you know, just not to overwhelm our clients because they didn't sell from the very beginning. Um, And then what we'll do here around the new year is actually go in and look and see which ones actually sell, what samples we need to keep out. Cause we want to keep it as simple as possible for our customers and also give them a variety at the same time. So we'll clean that up. And then that um, feels pretty good about, yeah. you know, that that's kind of wrapped up and then we can just sell it for a couple of years until it kind of loses the energy and we have to revisit it. But we'll pick focuses like we'll pick it. We'll, we'll say, okay, this year let's focus on wall art and we'll really dive into all the different options. Or we'll say, let's dive into, Uh, gift ideas or gift prints or one thing we've done before is like, what, what can we do for tabletops? Mm -hmm. And so we'll just dive into those and really, I mean, once you get kind of get focused and clear about it, you can find a lot, a lot of options and then start, you know, pricing them out and figure out what's going to be profitable. What's not going to be profitable because there's just some stuff in the industry that if you mark up a certain way, they just become so expensive that the, that's just their sticker shock on them. They don't, they don't have the value, you know, in the customer's eyes that, Require that is required to charge that much.
1: Yeah. And so they, some, they can't hold the value. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that is one of the things that also helps me decide whether I'm going to do something or not, you know, is whether I can mark it up and make it worth the time to do it because there sure. are some yeah, things that so that's are like, kind of the next
0: question. If you, and yeah. that's the next question, if you want to dive right into it. So okay. like, how do you price and how do you mark up your stuff?
1: Uh, so typically what I do is, uh, I, I mark up things. So with photography, it's different. You know, my dad had a furniture store, and so everything was marked up like double, essentially. And then if you you did a sale on it or that type of thing, then you made less than double. And so that was a typical markup. Whereas photography, it's like 10 to 20% is what your cost should be because photography is not just a product, it's a service. And so a lot of the um, cost of the product is actually the time in creating it, you know, physically sitting, or you sitting at the computer, creating it the time you work with them. And so I look for things that I can do 10 to 20% markup. Uh, But then I also have my digital products, which don't have any cost of goods and so they will a lot of times offset things. So a lot of times I'll package digital and physical products together where the physical product might have a higher cost of goods, but my digital does, you know, has f- very little cost of goods, it's just more time. And then that gets me to my ideal uh my ideal markup. How about Yeah, you? and
0: so and so just to clarify. So when you're saying like 10 or 20%, you're saying like if you pay $10 for something, you want to charge $100 for it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Because, and that's just, it, it sounds like an amazing markup and a lot of people when they start out, don't do that. And that's why photographers, I think have such a hard time staying in business when they first start out because they don't realize that you have to charge so much more for your time.
0: Yeah. And so we do something similar. Like, so we, um, just, this is kind of my baseline where to start and then we adjust it. Uh And I'll explain that in a second. But basically, yeah, we, we take the cost of the product that it costs to actually order it from the lab and then like our time. um, So we'll budget like, okay, this product's going to take, you know, X amount of time because it has five images in it. So it's going to take that much time in editing and then, you know, all the different time costs. And then we, we put a little bit of shipping in there just to save our butt if we have to ever ship it. And then what we do is once all that's bundled up, we kind of multiply it by four, which is like kind of a 25% Uh markup or four times markup and that's kind of my starting point and sometimes we don't even stick with that number but like when i'm shopping um at a trade show or whatever i'll look i'll flip it over look at the price and add some you know retouching time and stuff into it and say okay this is gonna i could sell this for two hundred dollars i could sell this for a thousand dollars and then it kind of says like you know and then i'll take alice and i both do that kind of separately and then we'll take each other back to boost and i and i'll pick up something and i'll say hey can we sell this for a thousand dollars? And her gut responsible, yeah, or no. And that kind of helps us narrow it down as well.
1: Huh, um, that's and that's then, a and, really good way to do it because I think sometimes I'll be like, there's no way anyone's ever going to buy this for this much. You know, Just like you were talking about the standouts, we call them bamboos because we just put them only on bamboo. Yeah. And um, I you know when I first looked at the, them, I was like, people are not going to spend that money on it. And, uh, but we have had a few people that did love them and did do it, but they were something that, that I would probably be like, Mah. you know, just, just looking at there just don't look as expensive as they need to be.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember when bamboos first came out too, looking at them and thinking, man, like, you know, this is me making up numbers, but like, you know, this canvas costs a dollar and this bamboo thing costs $7. Like, it's just like, that was like just crazy that the markup wasn't going to work, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then one of the things that we do is we adjust it, right? If something's selling really well, we know we can raise the price a little bit and we don't do that a lot, but like sometimes we underprice stuff. And so like, we'll price something at like at $400 and then we realize everybody's buying it and it's like, well, okay, that's probably too cheap. Or we'll place something at like $1,200 and we realize, oh, you know, it's not selling. So maybe it's the price. And so if we still believe in the product, we'll, we'll we we drop it down to a thousand dollars and see if it sells. And sometimes there's just little price thresholds that you can hit where things do sell. You know
1: yeah and we also adjust ours based on how much time something takes so for instance an album uh, may not cost as much but the time to create and put together the album is you know definitely cost prohibitive so so that's something that I would charge more for just because it takes so much more time involved in it too
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense okay so let's move on to the next question because I think yeah. we'll cover that pretty good so now that we've made the money or the photographer has made the money, like how do you know what to spend it on? Like, how do you think about that?
1: Well, I, it's so funny because we doing that profit first book definitely makes a big difference, but I actually have a list that I keep. Um, and so, uh, for like specific equipment, uh, for big events, things like that, and so I once I know that I have a you know a surplus, then I will uh, spend it on those specific items, and I definitely you know for me I like to to invest in. New computers, new cameras, uh, things that are going to make things go more smoothly, and then definitely, you know, samples that I can show in the studio. So those are, you know, the areas that I really like to invest in. And then education, I like to invest in that as well.
0: Yeah, and I definitely think education is one of the top of our list for yeah. sure. So we do the same thing. We make a list, and then people are here. Here was the nuance I figured out a couple years ago that I thought was really good for our business. So we say this thing around our studio and we say a broke list is a better list. And when we mean broke, we don't mean like broken list. We mean like the list we made when we were broke, when we have no money Yeah, is like the best list because when you have money and you start making, you know, a list when you have extra cash on hand, like it's amazing what gets thrown on there. It's just, I just like stuff we'll never use, you know, like we, we own like a lens baby, uh little lens. And it's one of those things that we bought that was not on the list that we bought when we had extra money and we've used it like three times, you know, so that would have never made the list if we would have made the list when we, when we were in our slow season and had no money. Mm -hmm. So make, you know, start to make your to do or your to buy list when you don't have money so that when you do have money, you know exactly what you wanted because it's just a different mental exercise.
1: It's like going to the grocery store after you've had lunch rather than when you're starving.
0: That's exactly what it's like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so what are some of the smart things that you think people should buy when they have extra money, or things that they should invest in? You already said a couple, but any others uh, that you want to uh, add? I
1: think uh, things that you know will make you money. So, f- for me, if I like one of the things that I like to buy are props. So for me, like backgrounds, uh, chairs, things like that. And so if I know, uh, like each year I do a, um, like a St. Nick set. Mm -hmm. And so if I know that I can use it all year long, besides just doing it for the St. Nick set, then I'll invest. So I might buy a pair of like vintage doors That are like $1,000 or $2,000, which seems crazy, but I will for sure pay it off with the actual sessions that I do. And then if I can use it for years to come, then it's a smart thing to buy, even though it's a super expensive item. What about you? Yeah,
0: Yeah. definitely repurposing stuff. Yeah. So I think probably one of the smartest things um, that we have bought over the years is really big samples. And I think I gave this example maybe in one of our previous podcasts, but we just went to uh, like a local expo is like a women's expo. Yeah, And we, there was like a ton of photographers there. There was probably like five or six photographers there. And we brought these huge, like 30 by 40 canvases. So when people were walking by, they were like, wow, you know, like they made an impact. And those things also hang in our studio every day. And a lot of the other photographers had some kind of, you know, eight by 10 wall or something like that. Cause that's just what they sell. And they hadn't taken the time to invest into wall samples. And so one of those one of the things is like when we have extra money, it's like, okay, let's do a big display, you know, to test a product, but also to see if it sells. And sometimes, you know, you put you put 20 by 30s or 30 by 40s on your wall so that you can sell, you know, you can sell 16 by 20s or 20 by 24s. You know, if you just put eleven by fourteens and eight by tens on your wall all the time, you know, you're just gonna sell what people see. So
1: We we just did that. Um, invested even in bigger ones. So we put a forty by sixty in, mm-hmm. and then a forty by forty, and a thirty by forty, and a thirty by thirty. And,
0: the, and and the plan the plan is not necessarily to sell those every day. But they're now since people see them, you could sell them. But they also just. Say something different about how you display pictures.
1: Yes. Well, what's interesting is immediately since then we p- I put them up maybe a month ago, and my thirty by thirty has four um, smaller, like twelve by twelves around it. And I was looking at our orders with a cl- with our clients, and someone did exactly that with their their order. So yeah. the same exact layout. And then I, I looked at another client, and they did um, a like rather than just because I some of them are not just one single portrait of a family it's a grouping of big prints on the wall
0: yeah we do a lot of groupings yeah
1: yeah. and so another one did uh there was a gunmetal frame color and so they did multiple big portraits in a gunmetal frame color and so i've realized that those immediately took effect in our orders
0: yeah so- and so that so that's what, exactly what we've seen too so that's something that we do and then like i said the the repurpose idea is that then you go to a trade show or something, you take them with you and people just are blown away, you know, because your booth is, you know, 10 by 20, and then you try to put an eight by 10 in there and, you know, 10 by 20 feet and then you put an eight by 10 and nobody notices. But um, yeah. wait, it, it, I, I see a lot of photographers where their biggest thing at their trade show is their banner. And that's probably, <laughs> that's probably not the best yeah. idea. Yeah. You know, your banner should be there so they know who you are, but your prints should be grabbing people to pull them in. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a really good idea of what's smart to buy. Okay. So now I get to ask this question. Okay. What are dumb things that you buy?
0: Okay. So this isn't for us. We've been really disciplined, but I'll tell you why we don't do this. So to me it's camera gear, not because I don't think you should invest in camera gear. Cause you said it well, a minute ago, invest in camera gear to make things go more smoothly. So then you reduce time and friction and you know, that's profitable for your business. Yeah. But I think a lot of people just buy camera gear that they don't really need. And Unfortunately, what happens is I think they relate that camera gear to confidence. And so they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars just to have confidence in their business. And I just don't think it's that smart because I don't think in the end, you know, buying a new lens or upgrading from a 1.4 to a 1.2 is going to move the needle for a lot of people. Now there are equipment, like if you don't have super high equipment and it's holding you back, you know, that's one thing. Like, for example... If you're going, if you're photographing weddings and then you can never focus at the reception because your camera just doesn't have good low light focusing, that's different. Like that's holding you back from the reception. Yeah. But if you're already having clients spend money and you're shooting with, you know, in 85, one eight, do you really need to spend, you know, $2,000 to get the one four because are your clients going to even notice? Are you know is it going to move the needle? Are you going to get higher sales because of it? And the answer for most people is no. And I see it on Facebook all the time this time of year, where people are like, "Okay, I just got out of my busy season. What should I? What camera gear should I buy?" And it's like you should probably go to a conference, or you should probably you know order wall samples before yes, you ever yeah, order that, that extra lens.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. that's what I think are dumb things to buy. And the reason I say we're, we're pretty good about that is because. Alice and I met at a camera store and I used to be a camera salesperson. So I know the game that the companies play yeah. with you in terms of upgrading to get you to upgrade all the time. And it's it's very seldom are those, you know, big landmark moves that actually make your life a lot easier.
1: Okay. So, so what? Are, so what?
0: So what are the? What are the things that you think are no, 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 silly to buy?
1: I want to know what you spend money on that you sh- that are dumb things because I think that's a great answer about the camera gear. But we this is true confessions time, Matt. Okay. So
0: yeah, then this leads into the next one. Like, what are things I sh- I buy that I shouldn't buy? Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So they they kind of go together. So so I left it blank until I went home and talked to Allison last night, <laughs> and so she, she was like. She knew exactly what the two things were. Cause you know, it's one of those things like sometimes you're not self-aware of yourself. Uh So the two things that she told me, she said, Matt, you're terrible at buying too much software.
1: Yeah, Meaning like I buy,
0: (laughs) I buy a piece of software that does one little thing that it's cool and it's fancy, but it doesn't necessarily move the needle in, in our business. Uh And then the other thing that she said that we're both really bad about is when we do like bulk printing and you're in that situation where you're like, okay, I can do, I can print 25 for a dollar a piece And I can print 50 and they go down to 98 cents. And then I can buy 500 and they go down to 74 cents, you know, and it just scales up. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you order like 4,000 of something that you really only needed 25 of to begin with. Yeah. And then they just sit there forever. Like, so, you know, eight years ago we printed a baby plan flyer and we ordered like over a thousand of them. And that baby plan flyer is still sitting there. I mean, we sent them out, but we didn't ever use all of them. So
1: so you over order on like uh it's the i don't know what it's called when they when they make it, they make it cheaper yeah yeah
0: and so i call it like bulk printing
1: yeah
0: and and, and, and you only need 25 but you order 100 cuz it's a little bit cheaper and so that's where that's where we spend that's where they always get us
1: so yeah so you have a problem going into costco then huh
0: yeah i don't i don't go to costco i just
1: me neither <laughs> <laughs> scared of that store. Um, I'm like,
0: I'm like, who doesn't need a life-size wine glass, you know, like <laughs> and a, and a, and a six foot teddy bear to go with it. Who doesn't need this? Put it in the cart.
1: <laughs> it's a good thing. I, if I took my children, we'd be in so much trouble there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what are the, what are the things that you think are, um, I, I don't necessarily like the word dumb to buy, but let's just call it that or things that you, um, have bought that you just like, I wish I wouldn't yeah. have.
1: Overdo it, okay. Well, I think um, so. I I think your the first answer was like, what do you see people doing that you think is kind of an unwise use of their money? And uh, I would say that what I see that concerns me is when people jump on the bandwagon of someone else. And they see someone else being super, you know, doing really well at some thing. So, you know, just like Sue Bryce with her boudoir, you know, and they jump in and they're like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that person. Or they see, uh, you know, these newborn photographers and they're like, I'm going to be the best newborn photographer. And so they buy all the things to be like that person. You know, they buy all the equipment, all the backgrounds, all, you know, whatever education they're selling. And they jump in to try to be someone that they're not. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone specifically. It's happened for years. There was one guy who was super into like making people like when you could very first like be able to paint and Photoshop. Right. Or Corel Painter. And they, they would like take a like tool around people and then like paint to look like they were kind of like floating on the background. Mm-hmm everyone was so into it. They were like, this is the thing. And everyone started trying to do that. And that was their thing. And so I think when you invest money and trying to be someone that you're not, that is, that always concerns me because I feel like people have like piles of, you know, backgrounds and sets and educate educational materials, lenses, whatever that aren't really who they are.
0: Yeah. And, and I said, I see the same thing with equipment. Like you'll see some photographer become really famous and, they may shoot like a pro photo like B1 or something, you know, a $2000 strobe. Yeah. And they're amazing, they really are. But they're already shooting maybe like an Alien B and it's like, okay, going from an Alien B to that $2000 B1 is it really going to move the needle in your business just because another photographer said that's what they use?
1: Yeah. If you know for sure that it will, if you're like this is the thing I've been looking for and I've researched it, then I think it's great to purchase that. I think it's just yeah. what I see is people who just don't really know who they are. And so they're chasing someone else, you know, trying to be like someone else's, uh, what someone else is successful at. Yeah,
0: I, I see that all the time as well. Okay, yeah. so now you have to do your true confession. Like, what is it that you.
1: <laughs> oh, my true confession is uh, props and backgrounds. So any, like, anytime I'm in a store at a vintage store, uh, you know, and it, it just the garage sale i will screech to a halt jump out of the car and buy whatever the thing is so i end up with a lot of stuff and in, you can ask andy our garage is full like ch- we can't put our cars in and it snowed the today is like the fourth time it snowed it never snows this much in kansas and i know that he's just grinding his teeth at me every time he can't park his car <laughs>
0: cuz he's road. scraping the snow off of his windshield <laughs> <laughs>
1: But I'm like, we can't move this stained glass piece and this, uh, <laughs> you know, box and all these things. So, so yeah, it's definitely props and backgrounds and chairs and you know, the feathers for something. I, I'm just just always, it, it's, it, uh, translates into sales and sessions. But at the same time, I also just end up with a bunch of junk. And so, I ha- rather than really carefully. I, I'm, tr- I'm working really hard at carefully thinking out whether or not I buy things.
0: And, and I've seen this happen firsthand because we've been at sync together before where we've gone to like lunch together. You've and seen
1: I, me do this? Yeah.
0: Well, and so it's like lunch, you know, these are in quotation marks. And so we go to lunch and we have lunch and then you're like, oh, there's a store right there. I got to go to that store. And then three stores later, we're still like, now we're like three blocks away from the car and right. lunch was like two hours ago. And we're like, we should probably go back to the hotel now because
1: I'm a long shopper. I'm a quick decision maker,
0: yeah, and I haven't seen I haven't seen you really buy anything, you know, but you're like, here's an opportunity to find something really cool and unique and you're like all about it. So. yes,
1: yeah, I like to look and think and figure out how I'm gonna do it. And it just makes me so mad if I go back to the store and it's gone. I'm right. so offended. I'm like, someone took my stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's so
0: funny. Um okay. okay, so the next question, talk a little bit about like, Book like how you how you do your bookkeeping. Any insight or how you think about bookkeeping? Because we got a lot of questions from the audience about that.
1: So, well, I use Studio Cloud right now. Uh, I am interested in oh, there's another one out. I was I've been looking at it online. It's like Honeybee or
0: oh yeah. HoneyBook or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at that. I think that's interesting. And so I use Studio Cloud for like invoicing and scheduling and that type of thing, but I don't use it for like actually doing my books. And so I transfer everything to QuickBooks and I do all of that myself. And then I do all my own payroll. So um, before I started doing my own business, that was one of my roles in our family business was doing all the bookkeeping. And I I like it. I'm a math person. And so I like that, you know, the numbers and thinking about it. And I like, um, like putting money into savings and I like seeing that grow. And so, um, that, so that's how I do it. I do all of it myself. How about you?
0: So we don't do it ourselves. So we have in the past, we used to have successware where years ago before it no longer worked on modern
1: Max. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We used Successware too. Yeah, back and, in the day. Yeah,
0: and it and it was and it was great, and so it really helped us grow our business because we could see numbers and stuff. But um, when we very first started, the very first year, Allison, you tried to do QuickBooks herself with with our accountant, um, and she would just cry, like literally cry. She hated it so much. Um, so we we went away from it. And we went to Successware. So then, when Successware finally ran its course, we had to go back to something and. She was like, Well, I guess I could do it. I could figure out QuickBooks. I'm like, No, 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 no. We've been here, we've done this. So we hired a bookkeeper. And our bookkeeper just puts everything into QuickBooks for us and then gives it to our CPA. And it's like $120 a month. So it's not crazy, you know, and the amount of time and energy it saves Allison is worth every penny. So, oh, yeah. so we just have a we have a bookkeeper now that does QuickBooks for us. But here's what happened, I'll just give people some insight when you hire a bookkeeper, is is you lose The vision into your numbers because you're not doing them. Yeah, they do. So you have to be super careful. And that's one of the reasons why we started doing Profit First. And we'll talk about that. But you have to know not necessarily every nuance of your numbers that your bookkeeper is doing for you, but you have to know like key performance Mm -hmm. indicators. And um, so some of the KPIs that we follow in our business to make sure that we know what's going on in our bookkeeping and what's going on in our business is like we track. How many leads we have? You know how many con- consults we did, how many sessions we did. You know, like what our average sale is, and then how many referrals are things that we keep track of because we know that those move the needles. It's not necessarily how much money got spent in this little bucket that the bookkeeper put together, but it's more like you know what you know what what do we ma- what does matter to us, and what can we track. But be careful if you ha- if you outsource your bookkeeping because you will lose visibility into your numbers big time.
1: Well, I think that that you definitely can lose visibility into your numbers but if you don't do your own bookkeeping and you just slap dash it which I think a lot of people do uh, then you're better off using a bookkeeper than not doing anything
0: That's true That's and absolutely I, true.
1: I, you know I'll talk to people and I'm like so tell me your numbers tell me how many sessions you've done tell me what your average is and a lot of times people just don't know. And um, I, I read a book. Uh, I, I bet you've read this one too, Good to Great. Mm-hmm, Have you yeah. heard that years ago? Yeah. And one of the things he talks about is just knowing, like forcing yourself to know the dirty secrets, or you know, the I can't remember what his wording is, but essentially, like deal with the facts, deal with the you know the scary facts, and I think. Uh, sometimes you just don't want to know your numbers. You don't want to balance your checkbook because then you're going to have to deal with your decision making. And so for me, I, I do it, you know, I do it several times a month. And then I also use Digit which is a way to like save money. It takes out like a, a different percentage every day and puts it in a savings account. And I don't, uh, save a whole lot into that, but what it does is it sends me my balance of my account, uh, my main checking account for the business every single day. And so it, it just, that's just one little thing that keeps a tab on it for me so that I'm like, Ooh, a bunch came out or, Oh, a bunch came in and I can you know pay attention to it. So I'm not, um, So I, I see that number every day, even though I don't necessarily do sit down and do bookkeeping every day.
0: Right, And the other thing that made me think about when you're talking about this, that relates to what you said earlier about somebody like chasing other people and, you know, buying stuff because they want to be like somebody else. The other thing is I see like the only, uh, key performance indicator that people really care about is average sale. They don't track leads or consults or sessions or referrals And they only care about what their average sale is. And that seems to be the number that people tout to them, tout tout around the, to other photographers, you know, Uh Um, you know, that my, my uh, average sale is a billion dollars. And it's just, I don't, I just don't think that's, (laughs) I, I, I just don't think that's a good way to do it because you don't, that doesn't tell the whole story. Um, so just be careful. And here's the other thing I see all the time. I've seen this with a number of people I've gotten to know, and it's thoroughly disappointing is they may say like, Oh, my average is $3,000. And then you actually find out that they're, they're not tracking like the zeros or they're not tracking the duds of where like the $500 sales. Yes. They just remove all the stuff they don't want to admit happened. And then it's like, then my average is $3,000. And then you find out it's like, not even that it's like, you know, $2,000. So just, I think people just need to be really careful about that. You know, that's a side note from bookkeeping, but just you got to be careful with that. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've been doing profit first for a couple, uh, weeks, I guess a couple months, um, since I mentioned to it at the very beginning of the podcast. So tell me what's going on with it.
1: Well, you know, it's been a really good time to start profit first because this is the time of year when our business makes profit. (laughs) So it has been fun to watch the profit accounts grow and, um, I, I think the thing for me is I'm just like, I, I really am going to have to see it play out over a year of time. But I think what is going to happen for me with Profit First is I've, I've allocated money into accounts, you know, for taxes and for the slow season, you know, paying wages and that type of thing. But I haven't done it really based on the actual amount that it like with, I've just done it because I, I'm like, okay, this probably will cover that. And so I've done more guesstimation profit yeah. first, you know, you figure your actual percentages of what you bring in and, and that, um, you know, if you do a similar amount of business to the year before, then your percentages should have you saving the money and putting it in the accounts that you're going to need it for. So I think long-term it's going to make me feel so much more confident. And I'm starting to feel confident, but then I'm kind of nervous because I'm not doing it the same way I've done it before. And so I'm like, okay, is this really? Does this look a little bit like what I've done in the past? So that I make sure that I have the money I need when I need it.
0: Yeah that that makes that makes a lot of sense. So just to clarify with people, so Profit First is a book um, that we'll link in the show notes, but it's basically a, a book to help you figure out how to budget your money in your business. And it's something that Alice and I have done for like a year, and Kaya's now done for a couple months. Um, but it has, it's a whole system, how to start from where you are and then build a very profitable business. And so we're both on that journey. And so we just got to a point where we were like a couple months ago, we were feeling super confident and it was awesome and everything was good. And then like our busy season came and I realized our percentages were off a little bit, not in a bad way, but, um, now we just have a lot of money allocated towards paying ourselves, which will be good when the slow season comes but it definitely was like, Oh, this feels different. Cause now we don't have as much money in our operating expense account. Yes. And so it's like, yeah. we, we actually see what happens in the busy time and the slow time, but it's one of those things that sometimes you just rather not know. So it's a journey for us too. Cause we're just, we're just now finishing our first year of it and it's definitely been ups and downs. So overall, it's been a hugely positive thing for our business, but it's, it's uh it's been interesting, you know, just,
1: it's so just been you're interesting that right now you don't have this big surplus in your uh, in your operating account that you would normally have yeah, because our from. tax
0: account is full and ready to pay our taxes, which has never happened that yeah. used to that used to be in our operating expense account. we mm-hmm. have all of our wages set aside for the slow season that used to be in our operating expense account. so at this right. point we used to have you know tens and tens of tens of thousands of dollars in our operating expense and now we don't because it's allocated to the right spots, but it makes you realize like oh, I really didn't have as much money as I thought. And we always knew that because come like March, you realize you didn't have as much money, but we're just seeing, we're seeing it ahead of time. And that's a different feeling than seeing it in hindsight.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, uh, we would probably Benefit doing a whole show on profit first and Dave Ramsey in the future. Yeah, uh, but yeah, this is this has been fun to hear how you th- think about uh, how you're spending money and um, just doing a whole money talk. This has been really interesting.
0: Yeah, it has been fun. So, guys, we'll try not to bore you too much with just having Kai and I talk because we don't necessarily want it to be the Matt and Kaya show. But um, so we'll bring lots of interviews and we got a lot of people lined up over the next couple of months to uh, do stuff with us, but um, we'll try to do these every once in a while just to, you know, sprinkle in some insight into what, and what we're doing. So thanks everybody for joining us and we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to from nothing to profit, a photographer's podcast with Matt and Kaya. Be sure to subscribe for more business strategy and ideas to help
1: you create the profitable and successful business you've always wanted. See you on the next episode of from nothing to profit.